Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mullinger Meets Canadians is brought to you by the Halifax Partnership. Hello, I'm stand-up comedian James Mullinger and the co-founder of Edit Magazine. This is Mullinger Meets Canadians, the podcast where we meet Canadians who are making waves on the world stage. I'm in Halifax, Nova Scotia to meet alt-pop musical sensation Neon Dreams. The band, comprised of frontman Frank Cadillac and drummer Adrian Morris, has risen from humble maritime upbringings to international acclaim in the past few years, successfully touring North America, releasing one of 2019's Songs of the Summer, Sweet Dreams to Sunbeams, and winning the 2020 Juno Award for Breakthrough Artist of the Year. These childhood friends, along with their broader Neon Dreams family, have been making music together for well over a decade. Through evolutions of sound and personal challenges and growth, they've stayed true to themselves and are proud to continue to call Nova Scotia home. I'm looking forward to learning how they've amassed over 20 million streams and a gold record as a band based in the Maritimes, and how this region has inspired them. Today I'm meeting Neon Dreams at Dreaming Out Loud Studios in Enfield, Nova Scotia, owned by longtime collaborator and friend Corey LaRue. This is going to be amazing. Here we go. Yeah, come on in. Hey, how's it going? How you doing? Good, great to meet you. I'm proud, man. Thank you very much. Uh, So I guess... I guess the first question has to be, um, how did Neon Dreams begin? Oh, man. <laughs> that goes way back. It goes way back. Yeah. I guess it goes back to me coming to Halifax when I was 13 and uh, not having many friends. And my, my mother's boyfriend at the time showed me how to play a few chords on guitar. And like that really excited me. And I started trying to make music and showing my mom some songs. And she says, and I was, I'm like, why do all my songs suck? <laughs> you know, and so it's just like, well, you have no friends. You should get out the house sometime, make some friends, do something crazy, and, you know, something good will happen, something bad might happen. And then you can write about that. And then that's when I met Adrian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found, found him on YouTube. Oh, wow. <laughs> Two covers on YouTube, yeah. Yeah, like we started a band, and Neon Dreams, the core of our friendship, started in high school. And then it turned into this. And, and tell me about that first message that, that you got from Frank and, and what you thought when, uh, when he got in touch. Well, he, he already had a band started, and I got a message, and basically they had a drummer that couldn't make the show. And he shot me a message like two days before the first show, and it was like, hey, got these songs, we're opening up for this band, and the band was like kind of big at the time. And he's like, we're going to open up and I, I need a drummer like, because my drummer can't make it. And he's like, can you learn these like six songs in like two days? And, <laughs> is he still yeah. that much of a taskmaster? <laughs> I get the feeling that that hasn't changed. No, it hasn't changed at all. <laughs> no, no. And, and I, was, I was like 15. I, remember, I couldn't drive yet, so I had to get like my dad to drive me to like practice. And I, I live like a half hour outside the city. Oh, man. And, it's just 
You should see his drum kit. It's like this huge rack. Like it was so heavy. Yeah, I had like a big like metal drum kit, like yeah. with like it's toms ridiculous. like up in the air, like twenty like cymbals. <laughs> and you're like lugging it in by yourself. Yeah, and yeah. totally. And then yeah. yeah, we we in two days we learned the six songs, and then I forgot how to play two of them while we were on stage at that show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The reason why we needed them so bad because it was our first gig opening for somebody that was like well-known in Canada and it was a group called Down With Webster. I don't know if you ever heard of them, but back then they were like the biggest band. That must have been nice. So what, so what did that feel like to be for the, for the first kind of time that you're both on stage together was a really big and important show? Well, for me, I like, I really struggled finding a band up to that point. It was like, I couldn't find people like like-minded as me, like wanting to play similar styles of music and stuff like that. Like every, everybody was really into like classic rock that I was around and stuff like that. And I like, was really into like like modern pop rock and like yeah. like modern pop punk and stuff and like we clicked instantly on yeah. that. And yeah. I, I always struggled with finding people that wanted to stay committed to me because like I, I I didn't really have any ambitions outside of doing music and uh, I wanted to find people just like me so we can like go all the way and and slowly I f found the right team. Amazing, yeah, because it was it, you, you knew from from even from thirteen that this, this wasn't going to be a hobby. This was going to be the thing. Yeah, you like this, to do. this is what I do the rest of my life because it's like the only thing that makes me happy. Right. So, yeah. And when did you realize yeah. that, that that graft part was going to be so important to being uh, a musician and making a, a success of it? Uh, I, f I forget. I think one of my favorite bands were just talking about you. You can't have a plan B if you want to do this all the way. Like. Like uh, and you have to completely love it, or you won't go, go as far as you can you can go. And how has the sound uh, evolved? Because of course, I mean, you know, you are one of the very few bands that have this incredible, the diverse, um, you know, genres, and any, and even one song can can be multiple genres, <laughs> yeah. you know, which is uh, yeah. you know really incredible. I think that's why, why you know, so many people love you so much because you, you you know you're reaching so many different people in so many different ways. But how did it start, and where did it end, how did it end up here? And that's it's it's wild actually because like. The band originally was a, it's a group a group of friends. There's four of us, and there was a band before Neon Dreams that just broke up, and then we we're like, let's try producing because like computers started getting cheaper, and like <laughs> we we are learning stuff. We want to do things on our own, so we started producing, learning how to make uh, dance music. Like we we're making trap, EDM, and but our our heart was into everything. It wasn't just that, and we slowly got into making pop music and eventually after all the pop we uh, got into what we're doing doing now and it, it's we call it alt pop it's like uh, early 2000s music mixed with modern music now i think it was like it came full circle right it's like it's like our roots we had to go through all these different genres to get to where we are now which is like drawing for what we were first playing and then going through like dance hip-hop and pop and reggae and stuff like that brought us to here because we're taking from all those genres but also doing what we did when we started when we were like 15 or 16. Yeah. 
Wow, that's amazing. I mean, would you say that's one of the main benefits to being a completely kind of uh, a completely independent band? In the you know you haven't got this outside pressure. You know, so often you know in 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 any creative field, uh, artists have this problem where the powers that be say you can't change genres in between albums. You can't have different genres on one album because the fans might not like it. And yet, you know, you've proven that it can work because the fans come with you all the way. But um, if you weren't independent, that could be something which could get blocked. Oh, 100%. I think we would have been shelved like <laughs> twice would, at this yeah, point. Yeah, no. Just from like switching up what genres we do all yeah, the time. Yeah, no, we, we've confused a lot of people. Like, not our, not our fans. Our fans love it. Yeah. Like, Outside of like, we definitely would have been like blocked. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, because it's like, how do we, you know, you know, especially when it comes to the tobacco industry, if we can't put you in a box, then yeah. we don't know what to do with you. I think that's the mystery with us. Like, <laughs> never know what we're going to do, but like, we're getting played in America. Uh, UK loves us right now. Like, it's it's crazy, and like, this is a whole other era we're just walking into, and it's it's amazing to see. And um, and you know, in terms of those those you know transitions in in life, and you 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 write about and you sing about and you perform about important things that have kind of happened to you both in your lives. Um, you know, when did you first start getting insomnia, and and how did that kind of affect you? Oh yeah, yeah. When I was in LA, and it was the first time like my uh, schedule and workload got a little crazy. You know, when people like say stuff and you don't like understand it because you don't it doesn't happen to you. Like people say they can't sleep and they, like there's too much going on in their head. It's the first time that happened to me, and uh, I couldn't sleep. And then I started like hallucinating and shit. Like it was messed up. I was yeah. like, I'm going crazy. And I, I told my manager like, I, I, want, I need, I need some help. And I don't, I don't want to take pills or anything. Like I want to go see somebody that is like the master of minds and like healing. And be- before that, we I met an Uber driver when we're we're just I was just driving and I was like, what's why why is this Uber smell like this? Like it smells like heaven right now. It's like the <laughs> it's like the weird it's not weird smell, but it's just like you step into it. It's just like it's like stepping out of a sauna, you know? Like right. you just it just felt good. I was like, <laughs> that's uh, not all Ubers. No, yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, I got it from this. Uh, this place where I did a yoga retreat is called a Sedona Meditation Center, and and I was like, oh, cool! I'll go grab one of those. So, so uh, at that at this point, I was writing music and making my own music videos. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and we we're actually going to make a our We Were Kings music video in Utah, oh, wow. and in Sedona and Arizona, like right right next to each other. So I was like, I'll stop by and grab it on the way there, and then. He's like, there. I was reading the the, the pamphlets and stuff, and they they, they do uh, spiritual healing, all this stuff. And I'm like, yes, let's just do that. Let's try it out. And uh, they helped me with a lot of things, like more than just like the insomnia part. Like, cause they went back to like my childhood and just like peeled away everything that made me who I am. At the point where they were doing this, I didn't know if I was gonna make music again, cause like a lot of my my problems came from. Like not having a voice, like people shutting me down, getting getting hurt as a kid to the point where I just close off. And then my escape was making music because like it was the only time people would listen to me. It's just what I'm singing, right? And uh, it was beautiful. I had I did like a liver detox, a spiritual detox, and uh, it, it like cured it cured it all. But the, the one thing I, I took from it all was that like I have all these stories. That I can I can share with 
the world because like I, I didn't turn into a bad human like with all these bad things that happened that I blocked out I just couldn't believe that it's happened to me and I, I didn't remember it and I wanted to just express and that's when we finished Sweet Dreams Still Sunbeams and and that's really when our fan base started to kick in is we never had a reaction towards our music like that since it's amazing. I mean, that must have been terrifying, though, to be you know, uh, going through that. And were you aware in any way when you first met Frank that, that he was kind of going through this? And uh... I, I don't think so. I think I think when we're when you're younger, you kind of like you kind of perceive the world different. You think everything is all good all the time, especially like when we met. We were like kids, right? So it's uh, I think it's harder to recognize like maybe some situations that other people are going through and stuff like that. And I think I think us starting our band was a way to block out anything that we had going on, you know? It was our way to escape and, you know, just, like, sit down and play music for two or three hours, and we don't have to think about anything else that's going on. So when we were younger, it, it definitely wasn't something that we talked about or thought about, yeah. but as we got older, like, a, like, we talk about a lot of our issues, like, just in, like, writing sessions. We learn stuff about each other every single time we're in the studio that, like, we might not have known before. Yeah. So what was it like getting that that very first gold record? Were, were we driving? Were we on Man, we were touring on stop then, yeah. and I just like yeah. I can't even pinpoint where we were when we found out. But we were, I think that was like a point where we were grinding so hard. Yeah, like we we when we made the record, uh, so like Corey, he he's uh he's part of the band at this point, and uh, uh, he. He woke me up at 3 a.m. and and I was just like, "Bro, are you up?" I'm like, "Well, yeah, I'm up now." <laughs> and and uh, he's like, "You want to go to the studio?" I'm like, "I'm not going back to sleep." And then let's go make some music. So like, he literally made the song in 30 minutes. And then he got a new manager, and he's like, "This song's amazing." And I know, I'm like, we we're just joking. Like, oh man, we should probably get like Cardi on this. He probably tear it up. He's like, "I know him. I'll send it to him." Yeah. And then like, and then like two days later, he sends back a verse, and then we're like. All right, this is real. Let's and uh, we released it. Started getting crazy playlisting, and then it and then we sent it to radio, and it just like went off. And we we were like, we've never done this before, and we don't have a relationship with anybody in radio. And our manager just like, let's hit up every single radio station from Halifax to BC, and we got in a car and just like visited every even ones that weren't like. Uh, like we call them reporting, just, just like small towns, yeah, small like because like the small town radio stations yeah. don't count towards yeah. charting. Right? Yeah, but we, we, we were like we wanted to go everywhere, and a lot of people thought we were crazy for doing yeah. it because like <laughs> vans haven't done that since yeah. like the eighties. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, like hopped in vans and visited every single radio yeah. station, and I think we stirred up enough attention because. I think people were like, how did this band climb all the way up this chart with no label, like, no funding, nothing? We just we just drove and just, like, shook hands with every single person we could. Gave okay, people like uh, Tim Hortons. <laughs> the East Coast, we have, like, like uh, we, we had a little lobster. gift, lobster claws. We, we lobster, and we would give them yeah. to the radio people. Yeah. Just a little taste of the East Coast. Yeah, I, our, our kindness got us really far. Yeah. Yeah. But that that is a unique East Coast work ethic because yeah. when you, especially in a creative field here, you need to have that that yeah. get up and go, that drive. 
because you know, no one's going to do it for you. It's not like elsewhere where someone can, you know, call in a favor with a radio station. The graft yeah. is the only way, right? Yeah. I, I had this conversation with one of our first sound guys the other day, and he went on. He went on to do like building stages for like Shawn Mendes and Imagine Dragons and like a bunch of massive acts. And he was saying, "There's people from the people from the East Coast grind almost ten times harder than anyone else." This show is brought to you by the Halifax Partnership. Halifax is very much open for business and offers key advantages for business growth and success. Visit halifaxpartnership.com for further information on how you can improve your life and business by moving to Halifax, Nova Scotia. There must have been a moment when you won the Juno, and congratulations, by oh, the way, yeah. well deserved. And you <laughs> Thank know, you. such was I was, you know, I think everyone was celebrating for yeah. you when that happened. Mm. There must have been a moment then when you were like, okay, well, we can we can sit back a bit now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you if you look at our Instagram, this video, like uh, we weren't even like expecting it, but I think. Corey's mom was recording a video or something. I don't know who was doing it. All, all our parents, like our parents and everybody close to us, like wanted to get together to like watch it. And I don't think we were like extremely confident that we were gonna win. And just, just happy that we were even nominated. nominated. We're yeah. like, this is good enough. If we don't get anything, and like we can at least say we're nominated. Mm -hmm. And then like. Neon dreams, and then like you just like everything just started shaking, <laughs> like the whole house was just like the vibrating. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was looking at my phone because I just like I, I can't watch yeah. this, and then they said the name. I was like threw my phone yeah. and just yeah. like tackle Corey. Your phone's destroyed too. You got to get that fixed. <laughs> yeah, no, is a great feeling. Yeah. And, and that's a very important point. I know you're both incredibly supportive of up-and-coming talent. How do you kind of, uh, how do you do that? And how do you also kind of find the time given you've got so much other stuff going on? You know? I, I mean, I think sometimes it just happens naturally. Like, we were doing shows in New Brunswick when we met Levi Rowan, your friend yeah, Levi, yeah. Great, yeah. And he was opening up the shows, and I think... Um, we, we just backstage that night, we were just like, the kid that opened up was, was great. And then he ended up doing the next night, and we all watched his whole set the next night. Um, so we reached out um, and said, hey, you should come to Halifax, and we should work on some music and see where it goes. And, like, he's he's starting to evolve into this, like, his, like, his own artist, you know what I mean? Like, he's, he's getting more unique, unique every single day, and I think that bringing him around on tour and bringing him to everything we do, I think he's like starting to find himself. Yeah. Observation is key, especially for any any artist. Like that's how, if you ever watch our live show, like I remember there was this like one point, we weren't, we weren't great starting off. No one's great starting off. Like any big artist, there's probably like a thousand horrible videos of them. And <laughs> like I remember somebody like saying that I'm really like, shy and should be out of the band <laughs> and something like not a good front man and mm -hmm. and i was like instead of like just like being hateful and stuff i'm just like well if they're saying that they, they probably have a point and like let me let me study who they think is good in this city and, and become better than them right. and like not for competition just but just because like i want to do this for the rest of my life and observing people that i want to be like uh, helped me so so much, and that's what Levi is doing, observing our whole thing, and he's just like growing like crazy because of it. I think one of the biggest things is we had we had to figure out everything on our own. We didn't have anybody 
like telling us this is the right thing to do or you got to do this. There's a certain pathway. Um, I think the biggest thing for us is like with younger artists from the East Coast coming up that we work with is like we want to be able to give them some sort of guidance because we didn't have that. It's just something we never had. That's really beautiful. So where did the name Neon Dreams come from? So we were... We were doing a photo shoot, right? Yeah, we were doing yeah. the first photo shoot for the for the group, and we had the sh- we had a show within like a week, and we still hadn't decided. Oh yeah. The name. Okay, the you gotta you gotta tell how the band started too. Like the before Neon Dreams came about, uh, like so I was, I was saying one of our bands broke up, and then we got into production, and then we had a friend. We were just producing, and then we had a friend saying uh, something happened with the band at one of his events and he needs somebody to fill in for the spot. He's like, can you do it as a favor? And they're like, ah, yeah, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll hop on our hop on our instruments and play the songs we've been producing. And, and it was like, let's do a photo shoot and we need, a, we need a name. It started off as like City of Dreams. Mm-hmm. And then uh, our manager, uh, Matt, he, he was in the band at the time too. Uh, he, he's just like kind of like, what about Neon Dreams? Yeah, and I think Neon City was thrown in there once too. Neon City, yeah, and uh, and it, it, I didn't even like it. I was like, man, because Sea of Dreams is my idea. <laughs> you were kind of uh, opposing it for yeah. some time. Yeah, yeah for like a full week. <laughs> How often do they still remind you of that fact? <laughs> or no? Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 But, but I, I think yeah. Neon Dreams also just like kind of like described our inspiration at the time because I think our inspiration was at the highest point it was and also it kind of fit the sound and the music. And uh, obviously you've been, you know, touring together for, for so many years and again, I'm sure you've seen every single possible, you know, high and low of touring. What are the kind of, what are the best things that's happened to you on tour and what are, what are the worst things? The worst thing is the drive from Toronto to Winnipeg. <laughs> oh, man. Man. That's grueling. Yeah. yeah. No, that is. Got to get the gear there somehow, right? Yeah. What about, what about the SWAT story? I don't know. Is it... Oh, yeah. That, that, yeah. That, that one's up there in the worst yeah. one. Uh, one time we went into a hotel with a bunch of, like, guitar cases and, like, pedal cases. And I guess someone thought they were gun cases and called the cops on us. And a SWAT team raided our hotel room. <laughs> Which is so literally, yeah. I mean, people, some people have bad touring stories, but not many of them involve being held up at gunpoint by no. a SWAT yeah. team. No. Yeah, it's pretty messed up. <laughs> oh my god, how long does it take to defuse that situation? It's, it's happened really fast. Uh, we got to Montreal. We got Montreal. Like it was like so. This was like this is from like ten. A.M. to like ten fifteen. It's, wow. it's pretty messed up. I don't know. It was like five of us in a, in the car. Like we're all like bigger guys, and and uh, we all like literally different races, and uh, we just look like we don't belong together. It was just really weird. And uh, we wanted a cheap hotel, so we're like, all right, we're gonna use hot wire, and you got like fifty four bucks steal. This know? is like yeah. the really really yeah. early days. Yeah, this is first out of province shows. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, Corey and Adrian, they went in first because like that's how you do it. You get, you get the boys go in, and then you, you come in later, and then you just be sleep yeah. on the floor, and then like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. two gets to bed. <laughs> do what you gotta yeah, do, right? Yeah. And uh, we, we got in there, and it, it was like it was smaller than this this area. <laughs> you were like, okay, well, this this is not what it said it on the terrible. site. 
and uh, the bed was like so flimsy. Like you ever see like a baby's bed? Like you, you can like throw it up in the air and it floats. Like it's, that's how bad it was. Like, you think of like the worst yeah. motel you've ever yeah. seen before. It yeah. was like pretty much that vibe. <laughs> yeah. And it's connected to a strip club. It was, like, <laughs> so, it was like pretty sketchy. The vibe was just off as soon as we walked yeah. in. Yeah. And then I uh, like, oh, let's let's just like call our parents and get some extra money and get a real hotel. Because like we got our first big opportunity. This is when we were meeting like Waka for the first time. And then uh, we get a knock on the door. Uh, as soon as I open the door, it's like, boom, gun in our face. And uh, we're like, what? <laughs> and, and what, it wasn't a cop with anything marked on them. Right, yeah. so you don't uh, know it's police at first. No, yeah, we no don't know idea. And they're yelling at us in French, and yeah. none of us could speak so, French. So, <laughs> like, uh, my buddy, he, he's like, that's a gun, guys. And he slammed the door on the guy, and then all, this guy's banging on the, the door, like yelling. Dove for cover. Yeah. I was underneath the bed. Yeah, two seconds. This guy, we go, we go, because we don't know what to do. Like, we're like, all right, like, we got to put, like, this is like a movie situation. Let's put the bed on the door. <laughs> and then we grab the, the whole bed. We basically yeah. barricaded the door. barricaded the door. The yeah. And then, uh, and then we called 911. Yeah. Corey had the only working phone because we, we just broke. <laughs> and so, and, uh, he called the, I think he called his mom first, then he called the police, and then... And they're like, we're yeah. outside. <laughs> well, it was, it was really weird, because they called, and they said, okay, hold on, and then they asked us to hang up, and they're like, we're going to call right back. But what happened was, is they called back from outside, and it was a full SWAT team in the hallway of the hotel room. Which, it was just weird that they wanted, they were going to call back. That felt weird completely. And then they basically tried to, like, defuse the situation, but as we unbarricaded the door and opened up the door, like, ten lasers flew in <laughs> yeah. from, like, full, yeah. like, assault rifles, yeah. not, like, handguns, yeah. like, assault rifles. You're like, uh, come out with your hands up and everything will be fine. <laughs> like, we called you. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, uh, so this issue yeah. stemmed from someone seeing yeah. instrument cases and thinking that that was, like, like uh, guns or something. Yeah, like that. I have no idea exactly, but uh, he destroyed our room looking for stuff and destroyed his car, the panels and all that, and then... Like, uh, like, we have a big mistake. <laughs> like, just laughed. <laughs> they, they all laughed it off. They thought it was hilarious. And we were just, like, all, like, traumatized. We were, like, yeah. handcuffed in the back of the, the hotel. And then, and uh, I don't know, you puked. I, think I, you puked. I threw up from the adrenaline rush, <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. Oh, that was... That's terrible, but also it seems weird yeah. that it took that long to diffuse. Like, yeah. you would think that it would be, yeah. oh, open instrument case is yeah. done, but they totally, actually tore yeah. everything apart. Tore yeah. everything absolutely yeah. apart, all the uh, paneling of my car. Yeah, <laughs> I think when they call SWAT out, it's no big joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's like the worst of the worst tort stories. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the worst one I've ever heard. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is the question I, I always ask yeah. touring artists, and, and yeah. I've never heard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's like the small things, like a tire doesn't end up at a yeah. show, or yeah. like yeah. maybe yeah. like something happened on stage where we had to shut down the show for like 10 minutes or something yeah. like that like power goes out or something like that yeah. but that's like hands down like the worst it can yeah. possibly get. yeah in, in that situation too like we were like this is so messed up we 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 can either we can either go fight this because they didn't risk rights or anything and like it was like a big joke and we gotta go fight this or go take on an opportunity that would change our lives yeah and you know we just decided to go with an opportunity that would change our lives and it did right you know like that's why it's a very important bad story yeah so so do you think that that, that kind of fed into you somehow for that performance uh, oh definitely yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i think we're all like we're gonna kill this tonight yeah 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 we've just been through this this needs we need to make this count yeah, yeah. This time, my friend, 
When Frank and Adrian are looking for inspiration, they always go to one place, the Halifax Skate Park, also the location of one of their very first gigs together. We're headed there now to learn more. Here, like, I feel like I spent like 90% of my childhood in this whole area. Because <laughs> that, that's the first music venue we ever played a show yeah. in right there. Oh, no yeah. way! That so, yeah, concrete box right that there. The, well, it's called the Pavilion, right? Yeah. And that's, that's where we played all our... Uh, that, that's our first show together. Our first show, first show together is right in there. That, that, was the, that was the, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. literally standing in a, yeah. a place of history yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. That, that, that's an all ages music club and it's, it doesn't do quite as much stuff as it used to do. They still do stuff like every other weekend now. Drink or a few like pints in the bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, yeah no. It's... But yeah, we like this area is like we grow, there was just like a community here. Like you would have like the skateboard community come here, the music community, and they would they, they kind of coexisted as right. one. Yeah. Uh, even in the summer, sometimes they would do shows right in the bowl right there. And like, <laughs> we would play in the bowl. It, it's pretty wild. It's like some stuff that you would definitely see, like, you know, you think of movies like California, like Lords of Dogtown and stuff like that, but that, like, existed here. It's right. weird yeah. in, like, yeah. snowy Atlanta, Canada. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No one expects it. And, it. and they don't expect it to be this kind of hub of creativity totally. here. They, they picture lobsters and lighthouses. Yeah. They picture <laughs> they don't yeah. anything else. That's yeah. the other thing, too, man. It's like, yeah. people just assume, like, fiddles, lobsters, lighthouses, yeah. and it's like, there's, there's a There's a lot of fiddles, though. <laughs> there is a lot of fiddles, yeah, yeah, yeah. but there's, like, a lot of, like, yeah. undiscovered culture yeah. in, in Atlanta, Canada. It's true. Yeah. So true. So this is literally, this is where it all began. Yeah, yeah. 100%. I mean, our first show ever, yeah, was here the, the two days after I met him. Bring him Amazing. Um, yeah. I remember my dad drove me here with all my drums in the back. I'll never forget one show we did, and it wasn't here, but it was like one of the like third or fourth shows we ever did. We put all the drums in the back of my dad's van. My dad slammed the, the door down, oh, and yeah. the drums went clear through the window. Yeah. And he just, <laughs> just like destroyed. And like, just like, it was like my dad just started to drive me and go to gigs. I could just tell his face, like, you know, you like, you're not the party anymore. We're, 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 we're in the car, and like nobody, he just didn't say anything. Yeah, he didn't say a word the whole drive. It just smashed, <laughs> and he just closed it. It's like, all right. What do you remember quiet. about that gig? Um, the very first one. Mm, that first game I remember right being so nervous because I had been to a couple shows here first. Yeah. And I thought it was the biggest thing in the world to be able to play this venue. Right. I thought like that was it. Like <laughs> if you played the pavilion, you made it. Like, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people liked us too. Yeah. I remember that show. And it was uh, yeah, I just remember being nervous. I remember forgetting completely how to play two of the songs. Yeah. And I just remember the sound being like really bad. Right. But that's like the beautiful thing about something like this place is like you won't ever get to do that again. Yeah. Right. You know I mean? like, so, you, so you definitely remember feeling a buzz in that moment when you're like, this this feels right. Yeah. There's something magical here that happens yeah. that... Yes. That's beautiful. Ask ask any artist that's made it from the East Coast. They've probably played this room. Right. Yeah, they yeah. probably yeah. have. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and if we ever get a lot of money, I want to, like, re redo, redo it. this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do it up. Like, it's, yeah. It's the yeah. dream. Yeah. You should come back and do one. Just for old times sake. Yeah, like the 20th anniversary, the 25th anniversary yeah. of that first gig, you need to come yeah. and do right. Yeah. yeah. Let's pack it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Thank you for listening to Mullinger Meets Canadians. If you like greatness, creativity, being inspired, laughing, or just love Canada as much as I do, then this is the podcast for you. So please do subscribe and review the show now. This show is brought to you by the Halifax Partnership. Halifax is very much open for business and offers key advantages for business growth and success. Visit halifaxpartnership.com for further information on how you can improve your life and business by moving to Halifax, Nova Scotia. Follow Neon Dreams on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Neon Dreams. Further details can be found on the Edit website, maritimeedit.com and I will see you next time. starter planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.